You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Happy Monday to you. We're back from the bye. Now, we don't have a game to recap. The Bills didn't play yesterday, but that gives us an opportunity to dive into some different subject matter. And I've been excited to get to this discussion because I've spent a lot of time reflecting on this Buffalo Bills team through 10 games, what's ahead and what the expectations should be. So we're going to kind of talk about that today. In segment one, I'm going to take you on a journey. We're going to go through the roster and determine which Bills players are exceeding expectations, meeting expectations, or falling below expectations. And through that, I want to tell a little bit of a story. In segment two, by request of multiple people, we're going to revisit Brandon Bean's 2020 NFL draft class and compare it to the what Joe Marino would have done draft class and the Bruce Nolan, what would Bruce have done 2020 NFL draft class. If you recall, just a few days after the draft concluded, Bruce and I joined up for a podcast on Locked on Bills, and we went through and said, well, if we were making the picks, this is who we would have picked. So now a couple of people have asked us to kind of go back and revisit that, and so that's what I'm going to do in segment two. And then I'm going to close out the podcast today by just talking about where the Bills are at, what the challenge ahead is to win this division, where they stand in the division standings, take a quick look at the schedule, and uh, forecast what's going to happen here the rest of this week on Locked on Bills. So that's what we're doing today. Let's start with this experiment that I want to do. And so what I've done is went through and I've labeled every player on the roster that has played at least 10% of the snaps as exceeding expectations, meeting expectations, and falling below expectations. And I wrote down my goal. My objective, my goal with this is to classify each Buffalo Bills player that has played at least 10% of the snaps as exceeding expectations, meeting expectations, or falling below expectations based on a reasonable outlook for that player's contributions in 2020. At the end, I want to calculate the percentage of eligible snaps and how many of them are exceeding, meeting, or falling below expectations. This was a very enlightening experiment for me to do. So I want to kind of break this down into offense and defense and then obviously the different categories. So let's start with exceeding expectations. Again, qualifying players are those that have logged at least at least 10% of the snaps. So in the exceeding expectations bucket, I have the following players, and I'm also going to tell you what percentage of the snaps they've played because this is going to 
be revealing at the end because at the end I'm going to go back and say this percentage of the offensive snaps are exceeding expectations. This percentage is meeting expectations. This percentage is falling below expectations. So I think it's important to know that because I can give you a player and it could be a fairly insignificant player that's only logged 10, 15% of the snaps in exceeding expectations, but in below expectations, I have guys that are logging 60, 70% of the snaps. And so that should help us balance things out and uh, tell this story that I hope to do through this experiment. So in that bucket of exceeding expectations, I have Daryl Williams, 99.5% of the snaps, Josh Allen, 98.9% of the snaps, Stefan Diggs, 91.5% of the snaps, Gabriel Davis, 63.8% of the snaps. So that's it for offense. On defense, only two players. Dane Jackson, 17.6% of the snaps. Justin Zimmer, 20% of the snaps. So that's it. Darrell Williams, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis on offense. On defense, Dane Jackson, Justin Zimmer. I don't think any other Buffalo Bills player is exceeding expectations based on what I thought they would be this year. That's the whole list. So now for meeting expectations, which is a large chunk of the roster. So we'll do the offense first and then the defense. Stick with me. Meeting expectations. Deion Dawkins, 97% of the snaps. Mitch Morse, 71%. Cole Beasley, 64%. Tyler Croft, 43%. Ike Bakker, 39%. John Feliciano, 29.6%. Isaiah McKenzie, 18.6%. On defense, Jordan Poyer, 99.7%. Micah Hyde, 89%. Tredavious White, 87%. Jerry Hughes, 63%. Mario Addison, 61%. Levi Wallace, 48%. Trent Murphy, 44%. Tyrell Dotson, 25%. Dean Marlowe, 23%. A.J. Epinesa, 16%. Daryl Johnson, 13.5%. And Cameron Lewis, 11%. So a good chunk of the roster here is meeting expectations both offensively and defensively. A couple names here that I want to dig into and say just a few more words about. Uh, Maybe you heard me say Jordan Poyer and say, man, that guy's playing great. To which I would say... Jordan Poyer always plays great. So I think he's absolutely the player we expected him to be. He's not been astronomically more than I thought Jordan Poyer would be. I expect him to be a high caliber player, and he's been that. So he's meeting the expectations. If you look at the guys who are exceeding expectations, Darrell Williams, I mean, he's an upper echelon right tackle in the NFL right now. Josh Allen's in the MVP discussion. Did you expect that? Stephon Diggs entering this weekend was leading the NFL in receiving. That's more than I expected. Gabriel Davis has really come on as wide receiver four and filled multiple spots and allowed the Bills to go 10 personnel. I didn't expect him to be able to affect the scheme so much and make the plays that he has. Dane Jackson, while he's only played 119 snaps, he's been a whole lot more than I thought he would be as a seventh-round pick. Same thing with Justin Zimmer. I didn't think Justin Zimmer was going to be part of the mix this year. And he's come in and making it made an impact. Those guys are exceeding far more than I expected them this year. The guys that I just labeled, they're exactly the player I thought they would be. And that's okay. I expect Deion Dawkins to be an above-average left tackle. I expect Cole Beasley to produce from the slot. 
I expect high-caliber safety play from Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde. So, you know, I just I just think it's important for you to kind of get in, inside of my mind as I deliver this and why I classified players where I did. Now for the below expectations. These guys are not contributing to the level I thought they would this year. Now, some of for some of these guys, a lot of these guys, it's not really their fault. They've been injured. But that plays into it. Right, That plays into this story I'm trying to tell. These players, this large chunk of players, are falling below expectations. So here's the list. On offense, Brian Winters, 73% of the snaps. John Brown, 63%. Devin Singletary, 61%. Cody Ford, 57%. Zach Moss, 34%. Dawson Knox, 31%. Quinton Spain, 26%. On defense, Tremaine Edmonds, 85%. Taron Johnson, 79%. A.J. Klein, 62%. Ed Oliver, 57%. Quinton Jefferson, 55%. Vernon Butler, 37%. Josh Norman, 30%. Harrison Phillips, 29%. And Matt Milano, 26%. For guys like John Brown and Matt Milano specifically, those guys are injured, and, and so we're not getting high-level wide receiver production with consistency from John Brown. We're not getting that matchup linebacker that this Bills defense needs from Matt Milano. Whether it's because he's injured or whatever the causes are, they're, they're not the player that I expected them to be entering the season. Again, injuries, the overarching theme for those guys, but the production that you expected to get from those guys isn't there. So you got a big chunk of this, this roster that's not not even meeting expectations, or falling below expectations. So if you break this down, now that's why I gave you the percentages. If you take all of the snaps on offense, all of the snaps on defense, and you add up the amount of snaps that the players have played in each bucket, this is what it breaks down to. On offense, 33% of the snaps played are exceeding expectations. 34% are meeting expectations, and 33% is falling below expectations. On defense, 2% is exceeding expectations, 55% is meeting expectations, and 43% is below expectations. That's pretty doggone close to half of the defense that is falling below expectations this year. So what are my takeaways from this project? First of all, we think about the Bills' run game and how it's been a low point this year, right? Not enough production on the ground. And it's a concern that we have going into late-season games where it's going to be cold, potentially some elements, and the simple fact that historically in the NFL, your ability to run the football matters most late in the season and in the postseason. Well, let's look at this below expectations list. On it are three of the guys that were expected to be key players on the interior offensive line in Brian Winters, Cody Ford, and Quentin Spain. All three of those guys I have as falling below expectations and both running backs, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Neither one of those players are who I expected them to be this year. No wonder the rushing attack's not what it should be. There's more to it. There's some scheme issues. There's some design issues. 
There's some play calling issues. There's some construction of the backfield issues. You know, having some some incomplete skill sets and not having enough speed. That all goes into it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, three key interior offensive linemen and both of your feature running backs are not meeting expectations. So no wonder your rushing attack isn't where you want it to be at this point. Number two, my number two big takeaway from this experiment. This is a linebacker-centric defense that Sean McDermott runs. Remember in Carolina, it was all about Luke Keekley Luke and Thomas Davis. Well, on this below expectations list are all three of the Bills' top linebackers. Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, A.J. Klein. And four, the four primary defensive tackles that you thought you would have this year. Ed Oliver, Quinton Jefferson, Vernon Butler, Harrison Phillips. All four of them. I mean, that's a big chunk of your front seven. Now, you're getting what you thought you would get from Murphy and Hughes and Addison, I think. But not the middle guys and not the backers. That's a big part of why the Bills' defense isn't what it has been in the past. So I think when you look at this in totality, you can connect the dots between where the team's performing well, where it's not, who's meeting expectations, who isn't, who's exceeding expectations. This passing game's much better than we ever imagined it would be. I swung hard on my predictions for Josh Allen this year. He's been better than that. So him and Diggs are in the exceeding expectations bucket. No wonder the Bills' passing offense is as good as it's been. I think the good news through all of this is I only have 33% of the offensive snaps and 2% of the defensive snaps as meeting as exceeding expectations. There's a large chunk that is just meeting expectations, and there's a large chunk that is falling below expectations. There is room for this football team to get better with the players that it has this year. Matt Milano's coming back probably for the 49ers game. These interior offensive linemen should find themselves a little bit here with John Feliciano back and Mitch Morse back. That should lead to better results from Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Tremaine Edmonds is looking more healthy over the last couple of games, and he's coming off of an extended rest here from the bye week. And hopefully these defensive linemen really rise to the occasion here so that these linebackers can really flourish. I thought these numbers told a good story, and I think for everything that I outlined, I think the most important takeaway is that you have a large chunk of this roster that can play better this year, and there's reasonable reasons why they will play better the rest of the year. And getting better contributions from the players you already have, that's how you get better in season. And there's a course to believing that for a lot of these Buffalo Bills players, especially as they pertain to critical areas of the team that have underperformed through 10 games. So as the Bills gear up for the final six games of the regular season, I think there's a lot of optimism for this team playing better. One other note that I want to mention here before we move on. Sean McDermott said a couple of different times. The bye week came late this year, right? The Bills have already played 10 games, and they were expecting that little mini bye week after the Kansas City game, right? That was supposed to be a Thursday night football game. And so you had an extended rest going into your next game. This team has been 
really dialed in in preparation and in the football routine ever since camp started up until last Sunday. It's a tired football team. I think the bye week comes late, but it comes at a good time. These guys should have their batteries recharged and looking at what's ahead of them and have the juice and energy to reach their goals. They're well-rested. They're getting very healthy. And the opportunity is right there to win this division for the first time since 1995. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you fun and challenging workouts from the comfort of your home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. I personally have an Echelon fitness bike, and I'd love to take classes with listeners to this podcast and start some groups so we can push each other and uh, take live classes together. So if you have an Echelon fitness bike, let me know. Let's take some classes together. Unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone. That's what drew me to Echelon. It was much cheaper than uh, the other fitness bikes out there. You'll see that if you look into the prices. And one membership will let up to five members of your family all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon Fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Just go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash NFL. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. All right, so... A couple people, a couple different people emailed me and said, hey, Joe, I'd love for you to take some time during the bye week and reflect back on Brandon Bean's draft classes versus the ones that you and Bruce Nolan said that you would have assembled just a couple days after the draft. If you go back into the archives in late April, you'll see a, a podcast where Bruce Nolan from the Bruce Exclusive Podcast, part of the Buffalo Rumblings feed, he was on uh, our podcast here last Tuesday. Him and I went through and, and said, yeah, if we were making these picks for the Bills, we would have picked this guy. And we compared it to who Brandon Bean selected. And you guys have already asked for an updated look on uh, on how those are shaping up. So as you know, Brandon Bean drafted A.J. Epinesa, Zach Moss, Gabriel Davis, Jake Fromm, Tyler Bass, Isaiah Hodgins, and Dane Jackson. And I think the, the class is doing well. I think there's been more contributions from this class than I anticipated. You know, A.J. Epinesa hasn't been a big-time contributor, only playing 110 snaps so far. But I think when he has been on the field, you've seen him have some nice flashes of good burst and energy and uh, showing some some good power at the point. Now, he's got to get the mental stuff down. I don't think he's lining up correctly, and I don't think he's processing blocks very quickly. But from a physical perspective, he looks he looks like he's – he's going to be able to help this football team long-term. Uh, Zach Moss, you know, it's tough to really evaluate his rookie season because, uh, you know, he had turf toe right off the 
right off the start there, and he never had a preseason to really get his feet up under him. So I think that put him behind, but I've mostly been disappointed with Zach Moss, especially with his kind of billing himself as a guy that wanted to force people to make business decisions. Well, I haven't seen that type of physical running yet. Uh, Gabriel Davis, I think, has probably been the Bills' best rookie, um, playing 67% of the Bills' offensive snaps. And it's not that he's like on pace for 1,000 yards or anything like that, but he has made plays. But his presence, his ability to take on the playbook and learn it has given the Bills the opportunity to play more 10 personnel and put four wide receivers on the field. And when uh, you know John Brown's been out of the lineup, Gabriel Davis has been able to step in and fill that role. So I think that's been a really strong uh, contribution from a fourth-round pick. Jake Fromm has not helped this football team at all. He's the COVID emergency quarterback. Tyler Bass, uh, how about that guy? He's coming on, right? Uh, had a few shaky misses early in the year, but, I mean, obviously hitting three 50-plus-yard field goals last week against Arizona and some of the consistency he's starting to develop is very exciting. He's looking like he's going to be the guy at kicker. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, he's been on injured reserve all year. I expect him to stay there, so he probably won't help the team this year. And then Dane Jackson coming in in very limited time, making an impact. Obviously, he was huge in that Jets game. He recovered a fumble against Arizona, had a big-time tackle against uh, uh, Dane, uh, excuse me, DK Metcalf in the Seattle game, had a pass breakup against Nuke Hopkins in, in the Arizona game. So Dane Jackson's been a nice little player as a seventh-round pick. So I think Brandon Bean's draft class looks pretty good right now. And I think even, even with that said, I think he's received more contributions from this group of players than I think a lot of us believed entering the season. So what did I say I would have done instead of Brandon Bean, what he was able to put together. So my second round pick was Christian Fulton. Uh, he's uh, a slot cornerback for the Tennessee Titans. And um, I think that if he had the chance to be coached up in this defense, that he would have been an upgrade over Taron Johnson. So I like my second round pick still. In the third round, I was, I was happy with Zach Moss. I wouldn't have changed that pick. In the fourth round, my choice was Cameron Clark. Uh, who's an offensive lineman for the New York Jets. And uh, he hasn't played yet this year, but um, I still like his developmental upside as a potential starter on the interior um, and gives you some flexibility to play tackle as well. So I I don't think that was a bad idea. Donovan Peoples-Jones, the wide receiver from Michigan, he's on the Cleveland Browns. Um, he hasn't made much of an impact yet for Cleveland, but I think if he was in this offense, I think he could probably replicate what Gabriel Davis has done. So... I'm not like saying I that I was off on that idea. I agreed with Tyler Bass, so me and Mr. Bean are seeing eye to eye there. My pick uh, instead of Isaiah Hodgins was Raymond Calais, who's a very speedy running back. Hasn't made much of an impact yet, but he would have brought a speed dynamic to the Bills' backfield that is 100% missing right now. And my seventh-round pick was John Garvin, defensive end from Miami. Uh, he's on the Green Bay Packers, and he's gotten a little bit of run with them and flashed. And I think that he could have been comparable to what the Bills are getting from A.J. Epinesa. So while Brandon Bean's probably quite happy with what he was able to put together, I can look back at what I put together and at this point say, yeah, I, I'm still good with my ideas as well. For Bruce Nolan, uh, who I reached out to him before I recorded this, and I'm like, hey, man, do you have anything to say about your draft class for uh, the podcast? And he said, yeah, I'm still good with it. 
So he said uh, Christian Fulton, just like I did in the second round. Zach Moss, he was on board with that. Amik Robinson was his fourth-round pick. He's a slot cornerback that I feel certain um, could have developed and been a very good uh, option for the Bills in the slot. And between Fulton and Robertson, the Bills would have a couple of really nice young pieces in the secondary to work with. His uh, next pick was Bradley Anai, who's a defensive end from Utah. Uh, he's on the Dallas Cowboys, has made a modest impact, but I think you could probably go one for one with him and Epinesa based on what uh, what Epinesa's done this year. He wanted Braden Mann, the punter from Texas A&M, um, who is the punter for the Jets now. And um, look, I mean, I think there's a lot of long-term upside with Mann, but uh, Corey Bajorquez has been reasonable for the Bills this year. His uh, next pick was Isaiah Hodgins, so uh, that's a, a same pick as uh, Brandon Bean. And then in the seventh round, he wanted Anthony Gordon, the quarterback from Washington State, who if uh, the Bills want to sign, they can because he's still available. He's not on the team right now. But I will say that Anthony Gordon's a lot more interesting to me than Jake Fromm as a depth developmental quarterback. So Bean likes his. I like mine. Bruce still likes his. So there you go. There's the the through 10 games checkpoint on these rookie classes. I mean, the real the real answer to this, the who won, who got it right, we'll know in like three more years. There's nobody that should be, you know, taking victory laps right now or taking any L's because these players are so young into their careers. Need to tell you guys about Built Bar. This is the best tasting protein bar on the planet. They have 18 amazing flavors and six new flavors. Those are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Oh, by the way, on Thursday, they are dropping the white chocolate cookies and cream. You can be assured (laughs) I will be ordering that on Thursday. All of these bars are delicious. They're covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for anyone who is health conscious. Whether you want to lose weight, maintain weight, or just indulge in something delicious, you got to try Built Bars. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for anyone on the keto diet. Got a deal for you. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. All right, the last thing to get to today is just kind of looking at where the Bills are right now in the AFC, the AFC East, and take a quick glance at this schedule and talk about some of the challenges ahead for the Bills as they have six games remaining this regular season. So the Bills coming out of the bye week sit at 7-3. and three. They're in first place of the AFC East, third in the AFC playoffs. The schedule ahead, let's look at this thing. On Sunday, they host the Los Angeles Chargers, 1 o'clock. That is potentially the second-to-last 1 o'clock game on Sunday left this year. So the Bills will probably have four games in a row after this Chargers game that are played at weird times. Um, It's a game that I think the Bills should win. You know, I'm rookie quarterback there in Justin Herbert, who's played really, really well. But I think that's a Chargers team that is coming across the country. It's Justin Herbert's first start on the East Coast, and the Bills have extra time to prepare. And... You know, I know that they have some good receivers, but I don't know that collectively there's enough difference makers. I think it's a poorly coached team by Anthony Lynn, and I expect the Bills to win on Sunday. Then they travel to San Francisco for Monday Night Football. And San Francisco's not the Super Bowl team that they were last year, but I still think they're a dangerous team. They have some good defensive personnel, and they have a really tough offensive scheme. 
a lot of wide zone, a lot of misdirection, a lot of um, yards after catch and screens for their really good yards after catch wide receivers. And so it's going to put stress on the Bills' run defense, and it's going to put stress on the Bills' ability to tackle, two things that they haven't really done well this year. Plus, you're going across the country for a primetime game. Certainly winnable, but I, I think there's some challenges that we have to be mindful of in that game. Then the Bills take on the Pittsburgh Steelers, a Sunday night football game. Uh, Steelers are undefeated still. They don't have a very impressive resume of wins, but they play really good defense, and Big Ben is back. So it's definitely a challenging game. Then they travel to the Denver Broncos. That game could be played played on Saturday or Sunday. We should find out soon enough when that game will be. But um, Denver is a team that, They've got some young playmakers that are interesting, but it's not clicking yet. They have a good defensive scheme uh, and some some nice players in their front seven, but uh, a game that I think the Bills should be able to handle their business in. Then they host the or the, excuse me, they travel to the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football. Um, you know, second matchup against Belichick and Cam Newton. Uh, you know, the Bills were fortunate, right, to to win that last game by that Justin Zimmer force fumble when. The Patriots were driving to, you know, at a minimum, they should have tied the game with a chip shot field goal. But, you know, there was a good chance with the momentum they had that they could have scored a touchdown there. So the Bills got to go to their place and uh, take care of their business. And then week 17 against the Miami Dolphins, one o'clock kick in Orchard Park. Miami Dolphins are six and four. They lost to the Denver Broncos 20 to 13 on Sunday. And so I had a fear that Miami was going to win this game. And the Bills would come out of the bye tied at 7-3 and three with the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, Week 17, a big piece of that equation still, even though the Bills are a full game up on the Miami Dolphins. But uh, the Dolphins still have a very favorable schedule here coming up. They go to the Jets next, then they play the Bengals, who just lost Joe Burrow to a, a really gruesome knee injury. He's going to be out for the year. So, you look, two very winnable games here. But then it gets tough for the the Dolphins. They have the Chiefs and Patriots in Miami. Then they go to the Raiders, who are playing some good ball right now, and then to the Bills. So the Dolphins need help to win the division. And right now, if the season ended, they would not be in the playoffs. So the Bills are very much in the driver's seat. They're setting the tone. The Dolphins are still in chase mode. But if the Bills don't handle their business and the Dolphins win these next two, and you know, hold their own against those those last four opponents. Things could be interesting here uh, as we get towards late December and obviously early January. Uh, in the third spot, New England Patriots. They're four and six now after losing twenty-seven to twenty to the Houston Texans. Added benefit to Houston winning that game. Not only do the Patriots get a loss and kind of pushes them out of the picture a little bit more is that the Miami Dolphins, don't forget, they own the Houston Texans' first and second round picks in the coming draft. So a win pushes them down the order a little bit. So that's a good thing. And then, of course, the New York Jets, the 0-10 New York Jets, they lost to the Los Angeles Chargers 34-28 on Sunday. And the Jets at 0-10 are eliminated from postseason contention. It is the 10th year in a row that the Jets won't make the playoffs. Again, up next for the Buffalo Bills is a home date with the Los Angeles Chargers for this podcast. Tomorrow will be herd mentality. So if you have any questions, send them in. Joe at thedraftnetwork.com is my email. You can also shoot me a DM at the Joe Marino on Twitter. My DMs are open. 
I'm going to record early on Monday, probably around 1.30, 2 o'clock. So if you can get those in earlier on Monday, I would greatly appreciate it. That way you can get recorded, get this thing ready for you on Tuesday. Wednesday is going to be my comprehensive primer on the Los Angeles Chargers. I'll get you familiar with what that football team has and the challenges ahead for the Bills on Sunday. Thursday, we're going to take that day off. It's Thanksgiving, and uh, so there'll be no podcast that day. I hope you guys are okay with that. And then Friday will be my leftover thoughts. We'll talk to banged up Bills. I'll give you NFL draft prospects to watch, and of course, my predictions for Bills Chargers on Sunday. All right, folks. Hope you enjoyed your bye week. I hope you had a refreshing weekend with your family. Hopefully you watch lots of football uh, because I don't know anything better to do on the weekends in the fall. So um, it's always good. It's always good. You always hear me. I encourage you guys to watch all the football. I think you'll be a better Bills fan if you watch football through the same lens that you do the Buffalo Bills. Watch these other teams play and be and think of yourself as a fan of those teams and how you would feel based on the things that happened. And I think that you'd realize that the Bills got themselves a pretty doggone good quarterback and a pretty doggone good football team overall. So, all right, that's going to do it for us today. As always, I kindly ask that you share, subscribe, rate, and review. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.